Hello and welcome to Global Data Pod. I'm Nora Santivani and today's episode is our once a month edition of um, the Global Inflation Monitor discussion. It's a research wrap around our uh, monitor publication in which we analyze key trends in inflation we're seeing across the world, across our core coverage of about 30 odd economies. Uh, to help me talk through what's happening is uh, Raphael Brun-Aguerre from the Euro Area Economics team, who's uh, done extensive work on inflation modeling and forecasting. Welcome, Raphael. How are you doing? Well, I'm I'm good. Thank you. There's a lot to talk about, uh, so we should we should get going. Maybe I, I know you've been. Um, putting a lot of time looking at inflation across a whole bunch of countries. But um, I think we could maybe start with something which is global top view. Um, lately, there's certainly been a trend in, um, in headline inflation um, going down. Um, however, core has been a bit more sticky. So uh, maybe that's uh, the starting point for the discussion, if, if, if you're okay with that. I mean, what's, what's your sort of a sense of that divide between headline inflation coming down, core inflation being a bit more sticky. Yeah, absolutely. So there is disinflation, but there's also persistence. So both of those things are, are going on. Uh, what we saw in the in the month of May, which is the, the month we're going to be mainly talking about, although we will broaden it out, is that headline CPI gains globally, they slowed to just 0.1% month on month. So that's the lowest um, monthly gain we've had I think since the end of last year. And that is been dragged down by uh, consumer energy prices falling. Uh, those fell 2% on the month in May. Food price gains were also very modest, about 0.2. Um, and core as well, you know, it ticked lower. Uh, we got a 0.32, uh, if you want to give it to two decimals on the month, uh, which is again the slowest pace we've seen since December. But I think the point to make on core is that if you annualize that, we're still running close to 5% here on, on core inflation. So that run rate is very little changed from late last year. And it's, um, you know, it's still far from kind of convincing central banks that the job is done. Obviously, we are seeing base effects pulling over year ago inflation rates lower, both in headline and on core. And headline in particular fell another uh, 0.5 percentage points to 4.3. Core inflation is just 0.1, so uh, clearly much less of a, a visible decline in core inflation uh, here. Yeah, I, th I think this is um, probably the the key thing. I mean, where I sit in Europe, I can clearly see that the pressure in terms of um, food and energy has, has been coming down pretty sharply. There's uh, some improvement in terms of core as well, but something that is um, fairly modest so far. There's a lot of question about the dynamics going forward. And maybe something that is interesting to get into is um, that divide between uh, core goods on one side, uh, services on the other side, the dynamics have been pretty distinct of late. Um, maybe you can tell us what you can see globally, and then I think we can have a bit of color as well in terms of the countries. Yeah, absolutely. On uh, obviously services inflation, where most of the the central banks are focused, where where we ourselves are are focused, um, uh, that's probably the the cleanest um, indicator of you know what's happening in terms of the monetary policy transmission. Um, 
from wage growth um, to, to services is where we would kind of expect to see some results. Uh, yeah. Now, services inflation has moderated in recent months, so momentum has come off some across a wide range of countries. But again, it remains well above central bank comfort zones. If we look globally, let's take China and Turkey out of it as the kind of outliers. Yeah. A services inflation is still running at a 6% pace annualized in the three months to May. Now that is down from a peak of 7.5 in March, but it's broadly unchanged from the run rate we had um, late last year. So so I think we can say we're kind of off the peaks. There are glimmers of hope mainly, um, but but still these aren't very comfortable levels. And um, certainly there are a couple of countries where we are, I would say, even alarmed by how strong services inflation is. And the UK is the one that I, I would highlight there with about 10% annualized pace on services inflation. That's really the strongest yeah. we've had in decades, right? Um, a country where, where wage inflation uh, has basically been very strong of late, obviously, and we can think of that relationship between wages and two services. Yeah, absolutely. Wage inflation, what, like 8% uh, annualized there and um, core inflation overall as well running, what, 7% on the year. And, and, you know, I think we've done a lot of work. Alan Monks in particular has uh, done research looking at what's driving this and the sense is that it's increasingly domestically generated pressures which goes to your point about the impact of uh of wages and the labor market but um maybe just uh, uh just commenting a little bit about the us um we did see the so-called super core measure of inflation which is chair powell's favored uh measure continuing to ease in May. Um, but what we've been highlighting is that the six stickiest part of inflation that is most tied to wages, that is core services, taking out all these things like shelter, health insurance, airfares, actually things remain pretty firm. We're looking at a 0.4% month on month uh, gain in the core once you remove all these kind of idiosyncratic volatile items. And, and so um, I suppose the news is less um, benign or less encouraging once you do that. But, but that's not to take away from the point that there has been some moderation. And I mean, likewise, in the euro area, it, it seems like in May we did get slightly better news on core inflation, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we had some, some noise of late um, as well, but we've been trying to, to make some effort to, to strip out the noise. Um, if you do that, there's a bit of a sense, but it's it's tiny, um, a bit of a sense that services price inflation has come down a little bit. Um, I, I think that's probably too early to say whether this is something that um, we could um, get as a signal going forward. There's a lot of noise as well in the coming month, uh, something that is playing out, and, and I don't want to get into details in, in that because it's the statistical noise it's related to wage changes in the baskets but that means that uh, we think services price inflation has um, a little bit more to go and wage inflation is on rise as well so mm -hmm. uh, we should probably expect services inflation to be at least sticky uh, according to a forecast rise a little bit before declining Okay, so I think the message on services is there's still significant persistence. Uh, there are a couple of these more sort of transitory factors, maybe in housing and um, some other idiosyncratic stuff that's coming off. Uh, but broadly speaking, we're not um, overly convinced that um, services inflation is getting to comfortable levels and just yet. 
And, and maybe just a last comment on services. Let's not forget something that uh, in a lot of countries, we're heading into the holiday season. And mm. among the items that you've mentioned, we have everything that is related to package holiday policies, accommodation, uh, airfares. Um, we've heard some anecdotal evidences that prices were going to be high into the summer. So this is something as well, post-COVID reopening or into the COVID reopening, later stage of the COVID reopening, that could uh, have some influence in terms of services prices and services price inflation. Absolutely. All right. So let's let's maybe shift gears here and talk a bit about core goods inflation, the other sure. part of core. And uh, I think there's been a little bit more action there and um, maybe some interesting nuances as well. So what we see globally as uh, at the aggregate level is that core goods inflation continues to run quite strong relative to its historical average. Uh, the run rate annually is something like 3.8%. And that's up about one percentage point since the start of the year. And it's certainly been one area of core where we've been surprised to the upside. I mean, services inflation generally has been strong, but that's not so much of a surprise given what the labor market is doing. But I think in core goods, we had anticipated there would be more of a slowing, especially given the weakness in global manufacturing, you know, the fading of the, the supply chain disruptions and so on. We haven't had that. Now, one of the reasons uh, core goods inflation globally hasn't slowed is partly because the U.S. has been accelerating, not just the U.S., but a couple of other DM countries as well. Well, namely Japan, UK, uh, have seen acceleration. And I think that's been a very interesting contrast to what we're seeing elsewhere. For example, in EM, uh, there's been a material slowing in core goods inflation, also in, uh, in Western Europe, you know, your area, Scandinavia. I think outside of the UK broadly and in Europe, we are seeing uh, core goods inflation finally coming off in a material way. What would you say is behind that and how sustainable? Yeah, I think how much the, further the, can that run? Yeah, yeah. The way you sort of described Europe, uh, I'm, I'm going to put UK aside for, for a moment, but uh, we had, it is, it's, it's a bit specific here, we had this massive shock coming from gas and electricity prices last year. Um, this whole started before the UK Ukraine crisis, but it was amplified at the time. And um, we've looked into all the components of uh, core goods, trying to see the relationship with um, energy commodity prices, in particular gas and electricity. And we found that uh, a lot of the increase that we've seen through the start of the year in terms of core goods price inflation was really driven by uh, gas electricity prices. Uh, to a significant extent, you also had some um, contributions from supply chain issues, uh, much less so things that are related to uh, the currency or brand prices. So the way to look at it, I think, and I think we've seen some, some movements already, because uh, we've seen uh, the inflation rate of items that are linked to gas prices uh, and electricity prices having coming down pretty nicely already in the last few months. Uh, so there's certainly a sense that some parts uh, of um, of the core goods basket in terms of inflation, uh, you've seen some some pressure um, easing in the last few months. Now going forward, um, this should be continuing because um, there's still a decent way down as a result of gas prices and electricity prices having coming off pretty significantly not back to where they were before, mm -hmm. but not far from it. Yeah, 
No, absolutely. That's that's very encouraging. And, you know, this is a rotation we've been actually flagging for quite some time. And it's now nice to see it actually playing out uh, in, in, the, in the CPI data. I mean, EM as well, you know, core goods inflation had been running very strong through uh, late last year. It remained um, surprisingly strong at the start of this year. But the past couple of months, we've started to see a material slowing. EM ex China core goods inflation is now down from it was about 6% annualized at the start of the year. We're down to something like three and a half. And, you know, it's been pretty broad based. I mean, LATAM is, is a big part of it. And here I would emphasize the exchange rates, the role of the exchanges, the fact that many LATAM currencies, you know, have appreciated, you know, 10, 15% over the past six months or so. So that's clearly something that's helping to put downward pressure on imported, um, imported in tradable goods inflation. Um, and certainly within uh, Central Eastern Europe as well, uh, the downtrend has been uh, very, very significant in, in recent months. So it's nice to see that finally uh, kind of playing out. I think I mentioned the US where uh, core goods inflation is picking up. I mean, there, I guess it's important to caveat that a little bit and to say that uh, much of the rebound in recent months is coming from used car prices uh, moving up. And, so some of that could, I suppose, reverse in, in coming months. At least that's what the industry data are telling us. But more generally, we also need to bear in mind that you know, the cumulative weakness in the dollar um, over the past six months or so does still point to some upside in perhaps non-fuel import prices. So it's not very clear that the US is gonna be a source of disinflation on the core goods front. So I think, as you say, much of the action there will be probably still within Europe and, and EM um, in coming months. All right, so should we talk a little bit about energy, about food, about these more volatile items? Um, I think they are pretty important, right, in terms of how they transmit to the rest of the CPI basket yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so on energy, as I mentioned, um, we, we did get a 2% drop in, in the month of May, and that was mainly driven by DM, US, Japan, Canada. We got pretty big drops in gasoline prices or fuel prices. Um, and if you look at the annualized rate on energy CPI, we're down, to, we're down 14%, so it's minus 14% annualized. So that's suggesting to us that the disinflationary impulse from energy is still continuing um, into May. If you look at what Brent crude is doing, we're tracking another small drop over the month of June. But if you look at our forecast, we do have Brent crude rebounding, right, to above $80 per barrel in the second half of the year. So if you take that forecast as given, then that would suggest that the drag from energy uh, prices would uh, be fading over the second half of the year and could actually turn into a modest lift. So perhaps the bulk of the disinflation from energy is behind us. Is that your sense for your area or is there still more to come? There is more to come, but uh, this is something that is unrelated to Brent. It's it's all related um, to to gas and electricity prices. We've seen a lot of a decline already. I mean, energy price inflation in your area is is already negative territory, and we expect it to go further into negative territory. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's big base effect uh, that is uh, there in the pipeline. I, I would, however, mention some some uncertainty when we think about. Um, prices going forward. So there's a lot of um, uh, 
diversification that has been done in terms of gas imports in Europe. And uh, generally the view is that we should be able to head into next winter with a good degree of confidence that we can have the amount of gas that we need to uh, go through the winter. But um, there is still a possibility that uh, the winter is uh, very cold and that the need for gas exceeds a little bit what we can get, which could uh, put upward pressure on prices. Um, but as we stand, we have a, a forecast in terms of gas prices that is on the lower side. And based on that, there is still a decent amount of disinflation that is coming through energy. Okay, absolutely. Okay, that's, that's, that's encouraging. And then food, I suppose, has been the other brighter spot in the inflation landscape yep. in recent months. It was something that was causing us a lot of headache and, and problems, given how much it had surged last year. And it was still running very strong at the start of the year. But again, we have seen material slowing in food inflation momentum in recent months. We're talking of monthly gains now down to zero two, which is more or less in line with its pre-pandemic uh, trend. Um, the annualized rate, again, has effectively halved since the start of the year. We're running uh, close to 3.5% annualized on food inflation. Again, not very far from the pre-pandemic run rate. So it looks like most of the food inflation shock, at least at the global level, is behind us. It feels like there's a bit more to go in terms of the food disinflation. Yeah, we agree um, with that. These things work with a lag, right? So global agri-commodity prices, they've dropped 25% cumulatively over the past year. Clearly, we haven't seen such a big drop yet in, in the consumer food uh, space. There's a little bit of concern that we have seen some key commodity, agri-commodity prices uh, picking up quite strongly in the past couple of weeks, like wheat, palm oil, soybeans. Um, so if that kind of move up is sustained, then maybe the disinflationary impulse starts to run out of steam. But I would think that's more at the tail end of the year. These things work with lags, right, Rafael, as I'm sure you've also found. Yeah, in yeah, modeling. absolutely. So, so, I mean, one thing is lags. I think if I were to look in terms of the, the spectrum of commodities that matter for um, maybe DM economies, but maybe more specifically for euro area economies, um, we've seen some move up of late uh, but we're still way below uh, where we were at the peak last year so there's a whole bunch of disinflation coming if you take into account these mm -hmm. lags um, lags on the food side uh, we're talking about quarters not not months yep. so this is a very long process um, in the year area for example we just have started to see the decline in in food price inflation i mean you've mentioned the month-on-month -month, uh, growth rate. I mean, we had some negative prints of late in terms of unprocessed food prices. Um, but surely going forward, we're going to see more of a disinflation uh, in terms of the year-on-year year rates. Um, the, the curves have inverted nicely, uh, but this is just a beginning, so we should expect more disinflation. Uh, this is certainly something that is very, very important when you think about inflation, because at the moment, if I were to decompose the, the euro area basket into energy, food, core goods and services, the main contributor to headline is food. So if we have some good confidence that uh, food price inflation is going to decline going forwards, certainly headline inflation is going to decline pretty significantly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And we've had a, some pushback on our food inflation outlook, given El Nino related risks. And certainly that is an upside risk for some countries. But again, I would say that in the near term, there is this quite fundamental downward pressure still on food inflation coming from the earlier uh, declines in agri-commodity prices. All right, let's not dwell too much on El Nino because we have a lot of uh, separate research on podcasts on that already. Maybe we should conclude uh, talking a bit about central banks and where does all this inflation news um, leave us in terms of our views on what central banks are doing uh, from the global level, especially if you look at DM. Uh, certainly over the past month, we have made quite material upward revisions to our terminal rate forecast. I think they moved up 30 basis points for the end of 2023 outside of Japan. Um, so clearly, um, we are getting, you know, we are still concerned about inflation persistence and so are central banks, and that's the message we're getting from them. Um, for EM, I would say we're we're quite encouraged with what we're seeing. It's not like we're seeing inflation back on target, but the point for EM is that monetary policy stances are actually quite restrictive. And within LATAM in particular, they're very restrictive. We're talking about real interest rates at five, 6%. We're talking about 10, 15% appreciation of exchange rates. So that's quite a bit of tightening in monetary conditions that we're getting through there. So Yes, inflation is not back at target, but just the declines in inflation and inflation expectations that we're getting is leaving central banks in a position where they feel that stances are turning even more restrictive and they feel like they might be ready to offset that with some cuts. So actually, we have pulled forward uh, some of our, our rate cuts in EM in contrast to what I just described for DM. And we now have, um, you know, Chile cutting in July. We've got Brazil in August. We pulled forward... Um, Mexico as well uh, to November. Um, so quite a big contrast there, Rafael. How are you feeling? How is the ECB, for example, looking at this um, information? Feels like they're still pretty hawkish. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think it comes down to um, the sort of conversation and the way we open that conversation. Um, we, we can see some signs, uh, positive signs. I mean, headline inflation is coming down pretty, pretty significantly. And we talked about food and energy but this is core that matters at the moment for the ecb uh, the ecb wants to see a, a turn in core inflation we've seen some slight declines in core inflation uh, but there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to services uh, price inflation what wage inflation is going to do going forward um, so the ecb is sitting there with certainly a message that they're going to do more uh, we have, uh, in our case, we have two uh, more hikes um, in the forecast. Um, and as you said, I mean, we, we've changed the forecast recently, added another hike, but this is not only about the ECB, this is also for other central banks uh, in the developed market economies. All right, yeah, let's see. Feels like, um, as you say, core inflation is strong, but I suppose on growth, we are getting a little bit more disappointment than what we what we bargained for. Um, okay, so maybe uh, last question, if I may. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we are getting uh, June data already for the euro area. <laughs> Is it this Friday, Rafael? Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We, we're what? getting the, the flash uh, number for, um, for June uh, on mm -hmm. Friday. I guess um, we need to look with 
to this number with uh, a bit of cautious. I mean, the, the headline story on inflation, I, I think is going to be pretty clean in the sense that that trend down should, uh, should continue, uh, helped with energy prices, helped with uh, food prices. Um, and I've mentioned it uh, a bit earlier, the, the core story is a bit more complicated, especially because mm -hmm. you have some, some um, distortions playing out. Uh, I've mentioned weights uh, in the baskets that change at the start of the year, that is pushing services price inflation into the summer, pushing it up. Um, there's also something which is uh, the sort of base effect that is linked to um, some action from the German government last year that basically slashed uh, transport prices uh, and as a result we should see mm. the inflation rate of that category uh, increasing. I, I think if we strip out the noise we should be pretty confident that um, um, maybe core inflation is going to be stable, maybe it's going to be slightly down. I mean including that noise we may see something up but I think it's important to, to strip out the noise. We had some interesting um, data already, I mean we can mention that we had it this morning. Uh, which showed that core inflation was slightly down. So uh, I think that was positive. Okay, yeah, but just to recap uh, for our listeners, if you look at our monthly inflation forecast, um, we do have, uh, as Rafael mentioned, core inflation month-on-month -month printing, probably going to print pretty strong here. And, and as Rafael says, a lot of that is noise, but we could be getting prints of 0.5, right, month-on-month -month for... Yes. Yes. one or two months before it starts to revert back down to, to, to weaker prints. And that actually leaves us in a situation where, uh, you know, three month run rates on core CPI in your area could get up to what, like four and a half, five percent, something like that. So before it starts to decelerate again. So again, a lot of that is noise, but we could see a bit of divergence here with your area up in the, in the very near term before it starts to come lower again. All right, shall we leave it there? Anything else we we missed I out? Think I think I, that I, might be enough for this month. But I think with your expertise across countries, we've covered a lot of countries. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's important to 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 see is effectively you've mentioned data for the coming weeks. Um, hopefully, they sort of um, validate the, the the view that we have. Um, there's certainly some strong. Uh, views in terms of energy and food prices going forwards. I mean, the key question yeah. is is core and and especially services. Okay, super uh, services. I like that. Let's leave it there. Thanks so much for joining me, Rafael. Thanks to our listeners for uh, following the Global Data Pod uh, Research Wrap, and we hope to continue the conversation on the next one. <laughs>